You are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by Win, women in innovation. In each episode, inspiring female innovators share stories of succeeding against the odds in a male-driven industry. Their experiences come from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and innovation departments in Fortune 500 companies. I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, brand strategy consultant and global marketing lead at Win. Sometimes strategy consulting, and specifically innovation consulting, can feel incredibly niche and small. There's a finite number of innovation consulting agencies and functions in businesses, especially when you're thinking about what one would consider top tier. After a BA in economics from McGill, an MBA from University of Chicago's Booth School of Business, and 14 years in the space, Charlotte Diaz, VP of Strategy at Critical Mass, can say she's held impressive roles in the best agencies in the industry and consulted for the top global clients too. Some of these include Nike, Apple, Walmart, Marriott, and MetLife. Starting out her career focused on numbers as a guiding strategic principle, her career began in traditional management consulting where she spent a productive four years developing her analytical skills. After deciding that there is more to strategy than numbers, she transitioned into brand strategy where she evolved brands based on consumer insights uncovered through primary research. Since joining the digital agency world, Charlotte applies this background to help companies transform and grow in the face of the technological evolution. Today's conversation dives deeper into the role of strategy and the business case to be made for innovation. Charlotte also gives us intel about Critical Mass's employee experience practice and how this has been a bigger focus for companies of all sizes as they attempt to stay agile in today's climate. Have any questions or feedback on today's episode or the win-win podcast? Shoot me an email at Zoya, Z-O-I-A, at womeninnovation.co. Hi, Charlotte. Welcome to the win-win podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Of course. So your trajectory in business transformation and strategy reads like every innovator's dream. PepsiCo, Management Consulting, Vivaldi Partners, RGA, Co-Collective, and now VP of Strategy at Critical Mass. Have you always known what you were going to end up in strategy, and how did you do it? Um, yeah, well, I guess I, I can say I've been a bit of a career strategist, but that being said, I feel like the path that I took um, to get to where I am today is a little bit unconventional. I sort of started my career in management consulting thinking, you know, it was sort of an extension of business school, right? It's a it's a way to kind of just learn about um, sort of the business world without really kind of deciding what I wanted to to be when I grew up. Um, so starting in management consulting, it, it felt like I was going to get a really strong foundation in terms of um, just sort of understanding the lay of the land in the business world and um, understanding kind of all facets of business. So I didn't start out my career um, through the lens of innovation, um, but I did kind of get a good solid sort of background um, introduction into strategy in general. So, you know, working at Bridge Strategy Group, it was it was a, a startup uh, consultancy. It was started up by a few ex partners from McKinsey, and the the kind of work we did was very sort of fundamental business strategy consulting, right? So we worked on everything from things like post-merger integrations for energy utilities. Um, you know, we worked on 
cost optimization projects. You know, those types of projects, I would say, weren't the most exciting and most invigorating, um, but they did give me a chance to really kind of sharpen some of those analytical skills, looking at data, scary Excel models, a lot of time, um, you know, just staring at spreadsheets and creating charts. And so I felt like I got a lot of experience, um, you know, kind of using data and numbers to tell a story. And everything was really rooted in fact, but it felt almost theoretical, you know, it was kind of looking so behind the scenes that, um, you know, it didn't feel like I was doing work that was really relevant to me as a person. You know, it was very relevant work uh, to the businesses that we were working with, but didn't feel like I was connecting to to the work on a personal level. So, you know, I made the shift uh, to Vivaldi Partners and Brand Strategy in an effort to kind of use some of those analytical skills and, and the thinking and the fundamentals of strategy, but really applying it to a world and a set of uh, business problems that were more um, related to consumers and, and sort of how they think about the world around them and how they um, make decisions around the brands that they want to associate with. So I felt like that was sort of another step in sort of moving me closer to something more relatable and, and, and something more real. So, so that was sort of the next pit stop. Um, you know, again, I felt like I was getting really great um, fundamental knowledge and uh, kind of a great tool set as it relates to coming up with brand strategy. But it really did, you know, feel like, you know, it was sort of that old consultants adage of, you know, you never actually get to do anything. Um, you know, your best work kind of sits on a shelf collecting dust. And that's when uh, I was recruited to become part of the business transformation team. Uh, it was sort of this fledgling agency within an agency that RGA was setting up at the time. And what really intrigued me about that was that they were really trying to apply strategy consulting to a world where the natural inclination is to get things out there and put things out in the world and make things real for the consumer. Um, so I think the combination of those two facets of strategy were really kind of intriguing to me, um, which is how I made my first leap into um, the agency world. And uh, it's a world I've been in ever since. And I kind of haven't looked back. And I feel like I've, in many ways, sort of figured out what I finally want to do when I grow up. I love that. And then because of your heavy expertise in the industry, I'm sure you've also spent a lot of time making the innovation business case, both for products, initiatives, and organizations. So how do you approach that? And what would you say is the business case for innovation? So that's something that I have um, been working on for years and years, trying to figure out sort of what is the role of the business case in innovation. And, you know, when I first started out in innovation consulting, um, it was really in the CPG world, um, you know, where our challenge was to really come up with physical products for established brands, right? So thinking about, you know, what's the next toothpaste, uh, you know, what's the next innovation in like spices and seasonings, for example, really kind of thinking about, you know, physical products and their roles in, in in people's lives. Real wins in that space are really hard to come by. There are too many products and too many brands on the shelves for one to really break through. And you hear about product failures all the time in that world. So I, I think in that world, the business case is quite an important part of innovation. You know, things are tested, um, you know, tested to death. And, 
you know, it goes through rounds and rounds of consumer testing uh, for a reason, because a product failure in that world is super expensive. Um, and, and so you kind of want to mitigate failure before it actually makes its way onto a shelf, right? So I think that's that's very different from the world of innovation in, in which I work today. Um, in the digital world, um, innovation is really interesting. And the definition of innovation, I think, is very broad. You can do something very cool um, with new technology. And, and, you know, I think there are a ton of opportunities to, uh, to explore different different avenues when it comes to sort of what to do next um, in the world of digital and the risk is smaller, right? So you can try new things. Um, you know, if things launch and, you know, aren't well received, you can get rid of them fairly easily. And, and it all kind of depends on what business problem you're trying to solve, right? It's a, sort of easy to get caught up in sort of the newness of things, trying to sh- kind of shoehorn a new technology into a customer experience just for the sake of doing something cool and buzzworthy. And some clients really want to do do things like that, right? They they are bold and they're willing to invest in those types of things from a brand building perspective. And for clients like that, the business case probably isn't as important, um, and they're they're much more willing to kind of take on that risk. Um, and then you have more risk averse clients who are kind of constantly asking, "Where's the business value in that? Show me the business. Show me why I should invest X millions of dollars into something that." you know, I may never see kind of the payoff from. So, but I mean, ultimately, I think the goal of innovation you know, kind of ser- can serve many purposes and it depends on the problem that we're trying to solve for each respective client. I think if there's a business problem, there's there are very likely customers behind that problem. And so our approach, at least where I am right now at Critical Mass is heavily rooted in the customer, right? So we always say that we have this relentless focus on the customer and that what's good for customers is inherently good for business. You know, sometimes we are kind of pushed to provide sort of that business rationale and that business case for recommending certain things. But ultimately, what we need to just prove is that, you know, customers want this. Um, Customers are going to benefit from from this new um, experience that we want to put out there. Um, so really, for us, the business case really comes down to whether or not it's something that the customers want. And then speaking to critical mass specifically, the firm specializes in everything from marketing communications to tech and implementation, and of course, UX and UI under this umbrella of creating better experiences for humans. Recently, the firm opened a new division called EX, Employee Experiences. Could you share more about this and uh, what it means to innovate internally for your employees? Yeah, absolutely. I think over the years, companies have sort of realized that, you know, it, it kind of started with the consumerization of B2B. You know, P, um, business buyers and business customers are people too, and they behave the same way as consumers, um, you know, in the B2C world, and they behave the same way and they have the same expectations that a B2C consumer might have. Um, And then I think recently we've come to the realization that a a lot of our clients are sort of starting to see that their employees um, kind of have the same expectations and behave the same way as the modern B2C customer. And, you know, a lot of the opportunities that were sort of left on the table from an employee experience point of view, um, are now sort of coming into light as people realize that keeping employees um, is just as important as keeping customers happy and um, making sure that the employee population 
understands the company's purpose, understands, you know, what the company is driving towards and is and, and really rallies behind that and feels that they're a part of it and feels that they're engaged and contributing to that is, is a really important part of business strategy. And what's interesting is that it allows us as an agency to kind of broaden our horizons in terms of the, the types of clients that we work with. Um, you know, if you think about certain categories of companies that may not put as much emphasis on digital experiences, you know, thinking specifically about industries like CPG, for example, beauty, they're, they're so product oriented and brand oriented that it's, it, it's kind of hard to break through and get them to, to, to sort of think about what they could do in terms of consumer experiences um, in the digital realm that'll really help them do business better. But when you think about those same companies and their employees and their desire to kind of keep their own employees engaged and satisfied and connected to their jobs, all of a sudden now you're 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 talking about you know a new set of experiences that those companies may not have considered on the consumer side of things but they do realize that empl- their employees are people too and there's sort of this whole world of of digital optimization so to speak that that we've opened up by introducing this employee experience practice in the last few months how do you feel like this practice has helped keep up with the times and how do you guys approach the employee experience from a work from home new normal yeah and i think it's more important than ever and i will say that we've gotten a lot more interest in uh, employee experience work since covid uh, sort of <laughs> took our world um, by storm um, back in march and um, in that time frame it kind of was serendipitous that it happened at a time when we were launching this employee experience practice. And while, while things have unfortunately sort of changed the world, um, I think it all of a sudden makes um, employee and employee engagement and satisfaction and culture all the more important. And the way in which culture is delivered um, in the employee realm, in this work from home um, realm, it becomes uh, much more important to think about that through digital experiences. And I definitely think that um, content plays a big role. There's there's only so many kind of Zoom meetings and WebEx meetings you can attend. Um, it's hard to kind of stay connected to the purpose of why why you're doing that. And that's what employee engagement and employee experience is all about. And and to think about new ways to deliver that through digital experiences is kind of a new uh, wave. It, it's sort of a new wave of challenges for us to solve for, definitely. And, and I, I'd be lying if I said that we had all the answers at this point in time, but it's definitely kind of a, a new regime that we're entering into in terms of the way people work. And, you know, it, it all provides new context for us to, to kind of think about um, what really works and what doesn't and, and what adds to more kind of screen burnout and what actually um, makes people feel um, uplifted and and actually helps with morale and connection. Yeah, I mean, we're really excited about this practice and, and excited to to do more work in this area. And we have a couple of exciting opportunities that we are um, in the midst of. And hopefully in the next year or two, we'll be able to uh, talk about them a little bit more publicly. Well, we'll have you back on the podcast for that, for sure. (laughs) 
thinking to your own career and your own career trajectory, what would you say has been the most definitive challenge that you've experienced? I think it's been for me kind of striking the right balance between, um, and I hate to use these sort of tired analogies of thinking and doing, you know, because obviously we're always thinking and doing at the same time to some degree. Um, you know, the balance of those is always shifting. But I think trying to find the sweet spot of where strategy fits in um, has sort of been the, the the theme of my career, right? So, you know, I started in a place that was really kind of heavily weighted toward the thinking and not as much um, around the doing. And then I kind of shifted all the way to the other end of the spectrum at RGA, where it was really so much about doing and less, it was led by kind of big creative ideas and, and strategy felt like it could have played a bigger role. And for, for me, I think the, the, the defining theme of my career has sort of been finding the sweet spot of where strategy should fit into that whole equation. And, you know, it, it's, it's a delicate balance because you never really want to, you know, spend all your time doing strategy without really thinking about the implications. And on the flip side, you also don't want to come up with a great idea and then have it not really backed up by any um, su- substantial business rationale. So, you know, I think it's, it's always going to be, um, an ongoing challenge to find, you know, that right balance. And it shifts from client to client, to be, to be very honest, it's not all about the, the firm or the agency that, that, uh, that I might be working for. But a lot of times it it does depend on the client as well and their appetite for, for, for strategy in relation to, to creative. And then as we know, innovation tends to be an industry that is generally led by men, um, and which is why women in innovation exists in the first place. However, at Critical Mass, the CEO is Diane Wilkins. So has gender been something that you've had to consider as you went along in your career? And what are your experiences with it? Absolutely. Gender has played a huge role. Um, when I went to business school back in 2004, um, I went to the University of Chicago. And at the time, uh, our class was 25% female, and traditionally, the University of Chicago <laughs> has sort of the lowest um, percentage of females relative to males. And so, I kind of grew up in this environment where we were sort of the the minority by a pretty wide margin. And so, it it became very clear to me that women not just in innovation, but women in, in business uh, in general are are the minority and we are the exception. And it gets harder and harder the, the longer you stick around. It's not the other way around. It's not that, you know, the, the longer you stay in the game, the more females you're surrounded by. Um, it's definitely it, it's definitely the opposite. And so I think it's it's sort of this systemic gender split um, in, in business. I think in the agency world, it, it shifts a little bit um, in favor of females, though in leadership positions, it's definitely not the case. So when I joined Critical Mass and and had a chance to interview with Di, um, it really kind of resonated with me. And um, she's a big reason uh, why I joined Critical Mass over other agencies. And um, having that sort of that voice and that role model within the agency to lean on it's huge and it drives our culture. It, it really is an important um, source of pride for us. And you feel it, you feel it culturally, you feel it, you know, in, in how 
how she runs the business. It's not always by the numbers. And, and, and she does sort of bring, I hate to say it, but like a bit of a, a more emotional side um, into her leadership style. And, and it's appreciated. I think it's not necessarily for everyone, but it's something that does resonate with me coming um, up in a world where, um, you know, the, the split was so predominantly male. It, it did speak to me um, in, in a pretty big way. So before I let you go, I would love to ask you one last innovation question, and that is, where do you see yourself and your industry in one month from now, one year from now, and 10 years from now? Yeah, that's um, a really big question that I'm not... A million dollar question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think if everybody had a crystal ball um, and could predict uh, the answers to those questions, we'd all be um, billionaires, but... um, I'll take my best shot at it. I think this year in particular has been a strange one, as we all know. I think in the near term, in the next month or so, I think it'll really be about helping clients um, close the gap and level the playing field in their respective industries, right? So I think, you know, there's 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 a ton of innovation that's gone on across industries out there. And some are sort of leading the charge and others are really p- playing catch up and what we're seeing a lot of um, in terms of our clients this year in particular is that there's a lot of emphasis on self-service, e-commerce, all of these sort of um, consumer-driven experiences are going to be increasingly important, um, at least for the near term. Um, I can't tell you how many RFPs we've gotten this summer alone, just uh, trying to solve for that, right? Like, how do we actually get products to consumers in a world where they're not coming to physical locations um, and and likely won't feel comfortable doing so for a year or maybe even permanently, right? So that that's something that um, I think there's no shortage of work to go around in that realm. I think a, a year from now, Um, I think what we're going to start seeing is a year from now, there's going to be a lot more focus in the industry. Um, For the last, I would say, decade, um, we've we've seen a lot of convergence, right? So agencies are starting are trying to be consultancies and consultancies are trying to be agencies and, and kind of lean on sort of creative talent a little bit more. Um, And everybody's sort of trying to be all things to all people. And I feel like in this really kind of crazy world where things have to happen really quickly in a, in a very urgent timeline, we're probably going to see a lot more focus again. Um, agencies are going to lean on what they're good at, which is, um, you know, creative design um, delivery and, and bringing technology into the equation. Um, and, and, um, and consultancies are kind of going to go back to, you know, their bread and butter, which is really that strategic leadership and that advisory and, and partnership that they provide to their clients. And and I think we're going to probably see a lot more kind of pulling back from that expansive, you know, we want to be the jack of all trades and we want to be able to be that one-stop shop for our, our, our clients. I think we're probably going to see a, less, a, a little less of that uh, in the next year. That's my opinion. Um, and then I think 10 years from now, um, I, I, what I would like to see, and maybe this is just speaking from a selfish perspective, um, being at an agency that is part of a big holding company, is that I'd like to see more cross-agency collaboration. Um, I, 
I'd love to see holding companies finally figure out how to leverage um, these giant portfolios of agencies that they've built and speaking to that focus that I, I think we'll see a lot more of in the the next year or two. Hopefully in 10 years, you know, the dust will have settled around that sort of focus. Um, holding companies that have these massive portfolios of agencies will, will finally figure out, like, how do I use, you know, my CRM agency plus my digital experience agency plus, you know, my, my above the line agency and kind of bring all of those together in a way that really serves the client's needs in, in, in a very focused and structured way, right? So that's sort of what I would like to see 10 years from now. And I, I, I hope that the trend will move towards that, where we all, we all stop trying to do everything and be good at everything, because I don't think that that's a realistic aspiration. I think we should kind of go back to sort of what we're good at and find ways to collaborate and admit when, you know, we fall short and, and, and hopefully that model of the future will be um, kind of a better cross agency relationship that we'll see. Thank you so much for joining us today, Charlotte. It was a pleasure. No problem. It was a pleasure for me too. I'm really honored that you, you had me on, on this podcast and I can't wait to see what's up next. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women and Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakov. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenandinnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.